Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The Around the League podcast. Didn't come here to make friends. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, and I'm here with a couple of heroes in Culver City and a couple of heroes in New York. Chris Wessling, Kevin Patra, Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler from a hotel room in Midtown Manhattan. What is happening? Hey, Greg. Um, that was a crude facsimile of uh, what a true open should be for the podcast. Uh, look, I don't need your backseat driving, Dan, from New York. I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm trying to bring the energy here because we are no. taping this after 1 in the morning, East Coast time. We've been writing all day. Get excited. Yes, it's very early in the morning in New York, but... As I just tweeted, I am riding a contact high <laughs> off Mark Sessler, who this is one of the greatest nights of his life. I can honestly say it, an amazing opening night of the NFL draft, and it's all about Johnny football and the Cleveland Browns, and Mark's glowing. He's, he's like a pregnant woman. <laughs> I do feel like a woman who is about to give birth. Well, do, what is you... accurate. I will say that the, for the last 40 minutes, Dan and I have been blasting Steve Winwood in our hotel room. <laughs> Take from that what you will. Hey, that's my entrance music. <laughs> that's... It was part of it. It was partly done in in honor of you, Wes, but also just like it felt like we needed some celebration music while we waited in this hotel room in Midtown Manhattan. And you know, I, I it was really it was quite a trip being at Radio City for that because we. You know, you, you tell us, Greg, how do you want to get into this? Because I have a lot of thoughts about the Manziel situation because that, to, uh, to me, seems like the, the big seismic move that we've been waiting for the Browns to make for 15 years, and they finally did it. Well, Mark can't talk about it because you tweeted right after the trade that he floated out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, it was immediately, uh, you know, a high-octane post was assigned to me, so I was clamped down typing in a seat that would have been better watching a film in that these seats at radio city are just large plush <laughs> semi couches but i will say this wesley and i think you tweeted this early that it already in the first four picks or so this year's draft had more drama than anything we saw a year ago and that is exactly true the the, the manzel beeline and the drop throughout till cleveland picked him this was radio city was on fire tonight well mark mark wasn't there when Eric Fisher went off the board <laughs> in 2K13 and blew the roof 
<laughs> well, Radio City. It wasn't. It wasn't Fisher. It was the Fisher Jokel combination, and just trying to recover from that. Three tackles in the first four picks. Get them now, boys. <laughs> now, there's no other place to start than than Johnny Manziel. What was what were you feeling, Mark, as Manziel was follow falling? You know, the Browns had already traded down in the first round to number nine. Then they moved back up to eight. Where are you at that point while they're on the clock at eight? I did not. I I was stunned that at that point they took a cornerback. I found that to be. It, it it was an interesting move by Farmer, but it, it, it brings me back to everything they said coming into this draft. They actually spoke the truth. They didn't want one of these quarterbacks at number four. And at that point, I thought it was a lost cause because it, someone else, especially Minnesota, I thought was, would swoop in and make this move. And I thought, well, you know what? They, they watched the tape. They're not into Johnny football. And the fact that he came around to them, uh, it, there was a lot of drama there because you're watching teams like the Eagles. Uh, this, could they? Could he go there? And I thought if he goes past Philadelphia, would Cincinnati decide maybe to take him? And all these teams with or the vet- Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys, of course. So all these teams with veterans in place decided not to rock their depth chart with that move. And so it, it was very dramatic how it played out. And it was. It was the. You know, I've gotten the. I've gotten to go to the last. Three drafts. This is by far the best kind of vibe in the building uh, when because Manziel kind of hung over the whole thing. Once Clowney comes off the board at number one, it instantly it was it was kind of like the Manziel show. And it's funny when the Browns traded and then passed on him with the first pick. Um, you know, Mark was very downtrodden, but it was such an inter- interesting draft that. It wasn't over yet because every pick, it hung in the air who was going to take Manziel. And then when it came back to the Browns and they traded up with, it was the Eagles, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and, and on the Eagles thing, I found that to be the interesting footnote of the night, that the Chip Kelly situation in Cleveland was obviously egg on the face of that organization, and it really kind of cemented them as a laughing stock. And then... Bang! It's through the Eagles that they, who I really thought that is a Chip Kelly type quarterback. That's how they get it done by outbidding the Vikings. I don't know. It was ballsy and Ray. Fa- I think the winner of the night for me, and I'm saying this literally not as a Browns fan, but there was a lot of doubts and questions about if Ray Farmer was just a guy in there and Haslam was controlling the whole thing. I thought Ray Farmer did a nice job tonight. Well, assuming he wanted Manziel. Well, he picks up the first round and the fourth round pick from the Bills next year, too. It's an unbelievable night for the Browns and their fans, and it makes me wonder, are they... I know it's early, but it's Manziel and whatever. Isn't this a team that could contend with Manziel right away? That's something that I... Even though I got hung up with the the Cowboys and it cost me a lot of sandwiches tonight, (laughs) um, (laughs) I I I feel okay with how it turned out because... I had Mr. Mike Mayock on my side. You know, he was still on the board at 16 when the Cowboys passed. But what I always felt from the start, personally, and I, I think uh, obviously Mark was on the same page too, was that Manziel and the Browns were the perfect team. It was the perfect setup. And, you know, I just think that this is a situation that, that this franchise needed a seismic moment, a big move, and this is, they made the move today. You know, you talk about seismic movement. Mark and I have been following sports for over 30 years now, and there's one golden rule I've picked up. 
if you have a chance to get a uniquely gifted player who not only has the chance to ch- to alter the course of your franchise but can also galvanize the whole area, the city, the state, you have to take a chance on that. This is what sports teams fail over and over again. And when you don't take a chance on that, you lose jobs. As Greg likes to say, great quarterbacks don't transform don't just transform franchises, they transform lives. Jobs are saved. You get a new addition on your house. <laughs> you upgrade to a bigger house. Your GM stays in place for a few more years. This is the kind of move that could be. And to that point, that is, to that's that, the way I look at it too. It's like if you get the right quarterback, you can redo that foyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. To, to to bolster that point, uh, we found out 25 minutes after they drafted Manziel, the Browns had 200 new season tickets bought and 300 renewals. So that's 500 tickets sold in 25 minutes after he drafted him. And my question after that is, is that going to pressure them to start mm. him? Because Patton said today he, he didn't have to start, but is the he's is, starting? Yeah, he said I don't, that. I don't disagree with that. He but said I, that after the draft that it hasn't changed his mind that he doesn't want a rookie quarterback to start. So uh, yeah, good luck with that, Brian Hoyer. You're coming off a torn ACL. You have Johnny Football behind you. The whole town's going to want Manziel to play. I, I don't see how that's going to last for too long. Vince Young can't catch a break, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the collateral damage that is I, you know football. part of the whole story and we're not going to spend the whole show on Manziel but we are going to be talking the whole off season the whole season about it so we'll, I don't mind diving into it is the Minnesota Vikings angle I mean all the teams that passed on Manziel including the Browns but there was only one team that wanted Manziel enough to trade back up for him and that was Minnesota our Albert Breer reports that they tried to trade up to 22 and take Manziel there. And Jay Glazer also reports uh, at one point they thought they had a deal done. So in that one moment when Ray Farmer, I mean, it's I guess it's out of the movie. I haven't seen the movie, but I mean, it's the drama of a movie. In that one moment where the Browns are calling and they have to top Minnesota's offer, everything changes. We could be talking about a depressed Mark Sessler right now, and all those season tickets could be going to Minnesota. And I think Minnesota recovered very well by getting Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but, man, that is a franchise-altering seismic well, phone call. And, and think about that situation. Now you're going to have something we're going to be tracking the next couple of years is how that all shook out. And the Vikings go and they do trade back into the first round, and then they get Teddy Bridgewater at 30. Johnny Manziel goes to the Browns at 22, so we're going to see how that works out for those two teams, and it'll always be a what-if game if one of the guys bombs and one of the guys uh, does very well. I mean, it's, it's, it's really going to be fascinating to watch. You don't think that Howie Roseman was the one that made the call to the Browns, knowing that they would want, hey, we have this, you, have, you have another first-round pick that we might rather trade there than to get the second-rounder from the Vikings. I think it was the Eagles that might have been gone to the Browns and said, hey, by the way, we know you want Manziel, but we got the Vikings on the other line. Well, they want him, too. had to be a two-way street there. And uh, the Eagles, who kind of, you know, they threw some things out there that may, they might be interested in. They trade down, and they end up taking a guy that no one except for Daniel Jeremiah has ever heard of, Marcus Smith, who no one had in the first round except for <laughs> DJ. So kudos to DJ and kudos to Marcus Smith for somehow making it into this podcast. You know, one thing, like Cleveland has – in recent history, used that 22nd pick 
to go quarterback. Ah. Brady Quinn, Brandon Whedon, two massive swing and misses. So they're hoping this one's a little bit different. And, and the reality is, we, when we look at the draft, we pick our winners tonight in, in mind and spirit. But rea- reality is, a lot of people felt that Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. was the more pro-ready quarterback. I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how it, it's, a, it's good for Manziel that he went somewhere with a coordinator with some experience on how to use an unorthodox, as Wesling would say, uniquely gifted guy. I like the fit there. Had he gone to Minnesota with Norv Turner, I'm not sure that would have been – Norv Turner is an excellent offensive coordinator, but, but Shanahan's already shown that he can work with this type of player. So I, it's going to be fun to watch. Hey, Norv worked with Doug Flutie. Mm. You're right about that. Jim Trotter did today say, though, that he that – that Norv didn't really like the Flutie's improvisation yeah. Norv, at the Norv time. Norv usually so. has a prototypical I, pocket pass. I can't believe that Mark is bringing up Whedon and Brady Quinn on the night that you got Mandel. Yeah, this is the gotta clo- be honest. This about has got to be the closest thing to a playoff win in a, in a long time. Just don't even bring harshing the buzz. I don't like it. Well, By the way, the notorious <laughs> DOP, uh, Handsome Hank, shot down my factory of gladness headline on the <laughs> NFL.com landing page, Tragedy. which I had called weeks ago and everyone in the building seemed to think it was a good one and i was very proud of myself and excited if i wasn't going to get sandwiches from the cowboys <laughs> i was going to get that headline didn't get it well it's what was the reasoning behind that i don't know <laughs> also shot down my suggestion that uh Dan and I would march out to a co-introductory song of Enya's Orinoco Flow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about what, in most drafts, would have been the biggest surprise and one of the biggest stories, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars shocking a lot of people by taking Blake Bortles, number three. And this, in all the pre-draft speculation and rumors and buzz, I mean, almost every possibility is thrown out there and then, you know, disputed. I can't remember anyone saying Bortles to the Jaguars. And this is David Caldwell, their general manager, basically putting it out there. He's putting his job on the line saying, Bortles, I'm, I'm riding with Blake, Blake Bortles. That's my career. This one kind of gives me the willies. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't be too <laughs> excited. I don't know. When I, I saw comparisons in January and February of Blake Bortles to Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. There's also been comparisons to to Ben Roethlisberger as well. And Jake Locker. And maybe there's a selling seats factor there. These, this is definitely not the name. Maybe they just didn't. Oh, but he's buying tickets to see yeah, Blake no Bortles. Way, no way. He's Florida. I'm, he's a quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they don't. It's not like they have a bad track record with guys with stupid <laughs> names that start with B. Uh, they have drafted three quarterbacks now in the top ten in their franchise history: Byron Leftwich, Blaine Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert rather, and uh, here comes Blake Bortles. The difference between Bortles and Manziel and Bridgewater is. First of all, there's a little less pressure on the other two guys because they were taken later, although I don't think that ultimately matters that much. The The bigger thing is the Browns and the Vikings have some talent on offense around it. You have Joe Thomas, and you have Jordan Cameron, and you have Josh Gordon for Manziel. And then in Minnesota, you have Adrian Peterson and Corderell Patterson and Kyle Rudolph and Ka- Greg Jennings aren't bad. And then you look at Jacksonville. That's not a situation where I feel like he's really set up to succeed, and they're going to have to play him right away. A lot of pressure. But are we also seeing Jacksonville as a team that's potentially going in the right direction 
you know, this isn't this isn't to cite Blaine Gabbert again, a situation where he's going to a flatline franchise. There's some hope in Jacksonville as well. Well, I'm trying to get rid of that hope. It all rides. Squash it. it all rides on Blake Bortles' shoulders now. I can't believe you're dismissing Chad Henney. They only <laughs> tragedy. Did you know they've only drafted five players in the history of their franchise? Five quarterbacks in the history of their franchise. Ooh, Leftwich, Bortles, Gabbert, Rob Johnson, and Jonathan Quinn. Ooh, I was going to throw out Quinn Gray, but I guess he wasn't drafted. Not drafted. So, I mean, Cecily, you're you're a big Caldwell. And Gus Bradley, believer, does this change uh, your feelings? Are you now going to root against Blake Bortles because he's essentially a competitor of Johnny Manziel in this rookie quarterback thing? No, I'm not sure that that has a lot of traction with me. I mean, I I, I found the pick odd as well, and I, I wonder if if Jacksonville ultimately would like to. Depending, you know, everyone says, "Oh, Gus Bradley is." coming out of the Seattle system with nothing but those, that, the way that team was built in his mind. But I, I wonder if they want to be more of a run-heavy type offense. I, the one thing about Bortles is, and I think there's, you know, in terms of his size and his traits, there's a lot to like potentially, but they've talked about him a couple times as someone that is just not ready for the overall task of being a starting quarterback. He needs time. And so maybe when they talked about Henny, there was a half-truth that, A, we're obviously not sold on this guy. No one's buying that. But maybe (laughs) you feel like you really have to start Bortles right away. I wonder if that's the case. I mean, he is your number three pick. so I kind of agree with that. I'm not sure if they believe they have to right away. To go back to Greg's point, I'm not sure that Bortles has more pressure than Johnny Manziel. I don't really think so. I think with the person that Manziel is, I think he's putting pressure on himself. Sure. That's who we're talking yeah. about today. We're not, you know, That's Bortles fair. was the second one. I think because of where Jacksonville is in relation to the histories of the two franchises, I, I think Johnny Manziel has much more pressure on him than Blake, Blake Bortles, who everyone could forget and nobody would go, nobody would worry about. So, it. so those are the three quarterbacks that were taken, and Derek Carr still sitting on the board as we tape this going into day two. And we're going to get to our go get my lunch bets just a little bit later. That last part was supposed to be implied. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I'm not really excited about revealing these standings. Uh, That'll give away at least my position in the standings. We'll talk about that later. But I think we should talk about the other biggest move of the day, which was the Bills trading up for Sammy Watkins. And like Mark Sessler said, man, Ray Farmer comes out looking good in this. He picks up Buffalo's first-round pick next year and their fourth-round pick. And Buffalo moves up only five spots to get Sammy Watkins. Maybe Stevie Johnson is is on the trade block now. What do we think of this move? It's a huge gamble. I mean, essentially, Doug Whaley's saying, I think this guy's going to be the next Calvin Johnson, so I'm giving you my first rounder next year because I think he's the difference to us getting to compete in the NFC East. I think that's what he's saying with what with what the trade that he made. I'm not wild about it because I don't believe in EJ Manuel, but I guess credit to them for stacking their offense with as many weapons as possible because they believe in EJ Manuel, but like I said, it just I don't I wouldn't give up the future and they gave up a part of their future to bank on EJ Manuel. Yeah, it's all like if Caldwell's one guy that suddenly he put his name up there as, I'm, I'm attached to a player, and if this doesn't work out, I might not be in Jacksonville in a couple years from now. I see the same thing with the Bills here because this was an expensive, costly trade. 
And it's, if this doesn't work and E.J. Manuel continues to not thrill, that coach and that GM have a lot of explaining to do. Well, one thing I'll say, though, about that, Wes, to your point, that maybe it's tempered by the quarterback situation. Let's say you're right, Wes, and, and you're feeling, and a lot of people feeling that maybe E.J. Manuel is not the guy. He has a bad season. Maybe he gets hurt again. Maybe he gets benched, and they go down the tubes. They'll go and get a quarterback next year, and they, you have not the, in the first round. Dynamic with young quarterback, this dynamic young wide receiver locked in for the next four years at least, and maybe even five. So it's not it's not necessarily a win now situation. There. Yeah, they, they can pick up Chad Henney. They can't get a quarterback <laughs> in the first round next year because the Browns hold that pick. Yeah, this well, isn't the problem. This isn't like the fir- the when the Forty ers or the Saints give away a first round pick for next year, and you figure, oh, that's going to be in the mid twenties. This is the Bills. Uh, this, this could be the fourth pick. Right. This could be the Redskins trading away you know, their picks, and it winds up being in the top two or something like that. I mean, the Bills have had no track record of success, and it, you know, it's a hard decision for me to understand to give up a pick that high for a wide receiver. Especially, I mean, maybe you just feel like you need a guy that's going to be able to catch a pass that's 15 yards overthrown, and Sammy Watkins is the only guy that could possibly do that. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't feel quite right to me that Cleveland Browns fans will be rooting hard for Buffalo Bills fans to be unhappy. Mm. It's like <laughs> those two fan bases should kind of have some solidarity. But if you're a Browns fan, you, you, you want the Bills to go down in flames, drop a 2-14 and 14 on them. A lot of anti-E.J. Manuel sentiment. <laughs> I hate already starting. It's too bad because, actually, it is a moment that Bills fans are going to get excited about. I mean, they sure. are getting Sammy Watkins. They are getting what we all uh, – well, West disagreed. You thought Mike Evans was the best wide receiver in this class. But for the most part, people thought Watkins was one of the best wide receiver prospects in a while. And it is an exciting offense on paper. They they have everything but the quarterback. I, I guess that's what I'm so frustrated about. If they just had a veteran, even a Michael Vick type, to go along with C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson and all of these receivers that have so much talent and Cordy Glenn at left tackle, then you get excited, but it just almost doesn't all add up with E.J. Manuel. I was surprised because, and I guess it's just all smokescreen, but what the way Whaley talked about Evans and – I'm in Wes's camp in terms of seeing Evans as a guy that I like Evans more. And I thought that Whaley did too because he talked about him as a, as a receiver that they don't have on that team, a dimension they don't have. Maybe what he was saying was we never think Watkins will be there for us, but if we're going to trade up, it might be for Evans instead. But I, I was surprised at actually which wide receiver they picked. All right, so now we've, we've gone over the quarterbacks. We've gone over the big wide receiver trade. Maybe let's, uh, I would say, go around the room, but we're separated by an entire country right now. Let's just go around the group. Go around America. Let's go around America, (laughs) and let's pick some of our favorite picks of the night, just the ones that struck your fancy and and you liked them. Let's uh, start with Kevin Patra coming at you. I'm going to go to the end of the first round. And I really like the Bradley Roby pick by the Broncos. I think he fills a need. I think at that spot Roby. where he they got him, I think it's a huge deal. He was talked about being one of the upper middle uh, cornerbacks taken. And if it wasn't for an average year last year where he made, blown some coverage, I think he could be a difference maker a couple years down the road when they're looking to get rid of Tlaib's contract. I think that could be huge for them. 
But let's be honest, a 52-year-old Reggie Roby would have been a more optimal selection at that point. I like that move. Wait, is that who they took? I'm, I'm sorry. My uh, brother Phil lives in Columbus and is a huge Ohio State Buckeyes fan. Oh. He was just telling me the other day that Bradley Roby got toasted way too often last year. Dude, he was really good as a sophomore. Right. If you looked at him, he going got burnt before. quite a bit last year. I thought you were going to say he was a Reggie Roby fan, or that he was Reggie Roby. All the Westlings are Reggie Roby fans. <laughs> 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 All right, let's go to New York for this next one. Uh, Mark, give me a pick you liked. The pick I thought I, I liked the Raiders going with Khalil Mack. I mean, I this is a guy that Greg Cosell said a best player in the draft, best defender. And the Raiders have used the offseason to add, like, 15 guys who are about to turn 40. So, <laughs> Not know, that there's gotta, anything wrong with that. You've got to look beyond potentially 2016 and a roster that will have two people on it at that point for Oakland. So I like this guy. I think, I think Mac is, a, is potentially a, comp, a guy that you can anchor that defense around for the next seven, eight years. Uh, it's... It was a, it, it's, it's maybe one of the safer moves, and nice job by McKenzie. Hey, Reggie McKenzie now has one blue-chip player on his roster. <laughs> there you go. you got to give him credit that he didn't go after an over-30 guy in the first round of the draft. I mean, That's fair. Brendan Whedon, not in the draft. No, that is, it did work out well for them with, with Blake Bortles going three, essentially that Mac fell further. I mean, a lot of people liked Mac – over Clowney, you're right. If you look at that roster, they have no one that's just, hey, that's a franchise type of guy. And they got a guy, if Cleo Max in this draft last year, he probably goes number one overall. Definitely. That's a, a classic move, too, in fantasy drafts, too, when you're, you, you know, you're kind of buried a little further back in the first round, and then some idiot takes Steven Jackson fourth overall, <laughs> and it changes everything, and it puts you in play for somebody that you have no business being in play for, so... Good on you, Reggie. Way to go, uh, Raiders. Let, let's stick with you, Dan, then. Let's, uh, let's get a pick from you you liked. Well, first of all, I just want to tell you, Greg, uh, I'm remarkably tired right now. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Doesn't mean but... we're going to shorten this show up if that's what you're trying to tell me, Sublimity. We're going two hours Eisen style tonight. <laughs> uh, no, I liked a lot the Giants. I think they probably really wanted Eric Ebron. Uh, who went to the Lions at 10. That was another pick I liked. Uh, but they stuck to their plan, and I think they, it was important to them uh, to not only show their, you know, their belief in Eli, who I, you know, they still believe can play uh, despite that bad year. They go and they get Odell Beckham, a playmaker. That allows you to not put so much pressure on Ruben Randall. So now you have a, a nice Beckham. Victor Cruz, Randall, threesome there. Uh. And, well, let's say Troika. Dan is starting to fall apart here. Yes. And I think, you know, that gives Eli a nice team to work with. And if Eli bombs out again uh, with this supporting cast, then you really have to ask a lot of questions. So Hakeem Nix has been successfully replaced in my mind, and I think that was an important move that the Giants need to make. I don't know if Beckham is an outside-the-numbers receiver like Hakeem Nix down the field. He's more of a guy who is explosive with the ball in his hands, cuts dynamically, kind of a different guy than Hakeem Nix. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how. I wonder if that really addresses the need they had. I was surprised to see that wide receiver. I mean, I wasn't surprised that they passed on Johnny Manziel. Of all the random 
<laughs> rumors that came today that just seemed so much like a smokescreen that the Giants and Manziel seemed to really stick out. Uh, it was surprising to me that they went for receiver there considering all their defensive needs. Well, they filled, Whatever. They filled I mean, a lot of those in I free felt. agency. Hey, Dan, we're just uh, <laughs> we're just trying to <laughs> pick you apart. I'm sorry, I'm, a little, I'm getting cranky. That's when <laughs> Victor Cruz asked for a shiny toy, you give it to him. <laughs> I thought he asked for a big one, though. That's true. Not a 5'11". You're though. right. It, that, it, maybe the, the receiver they picked is a surprise, but you still listen when Victor Cruz talks. He's a dancer, you know. <laughs> Wes, who you got? I, I'm going with two different players here. One on offense. Is that allowed? One on defense. That's cheating. No, nah, we can give a couple. Why not? One on offense, right. one on defense, and both essentially reversed father time mm. for their units. I, I love Ryan Shazier, the, the Ohio State linebacker who I think – Looks like the be- the fastest linebacker on film since Brian Urlacher came into the league as a safety wide receiver kick returner out of New Mexico. Uh, Shazier's awesome. You you pair him with Lawrence Timmons. Now you you have a linebacking core which had a lot of question marks last last year. You have Worlds and Jones on the outside. Now you have arguably the most dynamic interior duo in the NFL with Bowman coming back from multiple knee surgery for the 49ers. Maybe the Steelers are up there, and then All right, New e- Orleans. Easy there, easy that there. Steelers Ten. team is going down in Week One, by the way. I mean, you just said they might be better than Bowman <laughs> and Willis, who have a chance to both make the Hall of Fame. Maybe. Bowman playing on one leg now. All right. Yes. Okay. So, well, let's go to the Saints. Then they had an aging wide receiver core. Sixty-three percent of Drew Brees' completions last year went to tight ends and running backs. It was basically Marcus Colston and no one else. They pick up Brandon Cooks, the fastest wide receiver in the draft. Prototypical slot receiver, plays a little bit like Deshaun Jackson. Love this pick. He's kind of like Tavon Austin, except Sean Payton will know what to right. do with him, whereas Schottenheimer doesn't know what to do with Tavon Austin. Mm. I do like him playing on that turf in that dome, too. Yep. That's perfect for him. I don't know about Sean Payton's history of drafting receivers high, though. He, they haven't really found guys that are high-profile wide receivers Devery Henderson was a high second-round pick. Robert Meacham was a first-round pick and been able to integrate them into the offense. I didn't like any of those players coming out. Wow. That's, that's the difference. End of story. They, they really need to find some players that are core young players because they've been kind of riding these same guys, Marcus Colston and Pierre Thomas and Lance Moore is gone now. And just they haven't really found any of those diamonds in the rough or good new offensive pieces in a while. Uh, I'm, I'm going to roll. Slightly concerned because Dan is falling asleep on my bed <laughs> in my hotel room. Really? Right, what? Listen. What is the scene there? Is Steve Winwood still playing? Or? Well, no. Actually, it hasn't been all Winwood. Um, we actually listened to Draft Day by Drake, which uh, Gold Sander, can you play a little clip of that? Yeah, I'll play it right here. Just giving instructions from across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Draft Day. Johnny Manziel, five years later, how am I the man still? Draft yeah. And, uh, you know, we got into that a little bit, and then we went down a Winwood wormhole, and then somehow we got to The Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics, and that <laughs> got a little weird. And, you know, so it's just it's kind of a weird vibe, but it's, it, it makes sense because uh, to, to circle back to the Johnny Manziel situation again, I was saying to Mark all week, Mark was acting very strange all week about this Manziel situation mm. and was overthinking it, almost was maniacal in his behavior at times, and, and obsessive 
and I just got the feeling that they were going to blow the pick, and that was that seemed to be in the air that they weren't going to get Mansell. <laughs> they got him, so it's created this this whole different like culture all around Mark. I feel like Mark's a different guy now, and I'm just basking in that. I'm really enjoying it. It's nice as a Jets fan. My my team drafted a defensive player in the first round for the 700th consecutive year, <laughs> um, and I'm really excited to have a run stuffing safety to help score points. <laughs> In 2014, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do with Mike Vick and Geno Smith. But um, I kind of joke, Calvin Pryor will makes that defense even better. But oh, you want in Manziel? Don't be, don't even pretend. I, there yeah. was, that is the subplot, the Jets Manziel vibe. It would have been completely insane for the Jets to draft Johnny Manziel, but I just, I kind of, and I wanted the Browns to have him all along. But it was something that I was. You know, it was almost that's what, he was such a unique character in this whole this whole scene that you, it's so easy to get sucked in and to think about having that guy <laughs> on your team and potentially transforming them. And we don't even know if that's actually going to happen with the Browns. But now the Browns have that chance. The Jets. It's been so long since the Jets had a transcendent, a potentially transcendent type athlete like that. So yeah, you get sucked in when he's sitting on the board. But when I didn't hear his name, it's not like I was crestfallen because it, it made more sense. And if, at Radio City, the Jets fans there, it was kind of like a mixture of relief and kind of sadness. But also it was, you know, it was, it was too much. It was too much to imagine him <laughs> with the Jets. The circus would have been back to town. Well, there was palpable excitement that the Glacier had actually made the pick in time. Well, just got it in. They, you know, most of the, a lot of, a lot of the teams that get That's the pick hilarious. in with uh, well over, uh, you know, two minutes to go, the Glacier took it down because the Glacier doesn't make a decision until the Glacier decides it's the right time. Well, when you're watching Michael Vick, you know, lead the Jets to a stirring comeback over the Bills to get the Jets record to 5-7, and seven, you can be happy and, and think, hey, that's the guy that we passed on Johnny Manziel for. One year of Michael I Vick. <laughs> I do look forward to the first time Sammy Watkins goes over the middle and Calvin Pryor decletes him, <laughs> and you never see the same Sammy Watkins ever again. I am looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to give uh, my favorite pick uh, of the rounds to uh, the St. Louis Rams, even though I wanted them to take a quarterback because I just think they're sticking with Sam Bradford too long. Ultimately, you have to like the team they're putting together uh, with Aaron Donald on that defensive line. Donald, Michael Brockers, Robert Quinn, and uh, Chris Long is the most insane pass rush defensive line in the league right now. And then you add uh, Robinson to their offensive line. This should be a good running attack. Wes is making a face over there. I, I hated their draft. Uh, this was. Uh, I'm going to take them to task. Why? Well, we talked about passing on uniquely gifted players that can change the course of their franchise. They pretty much they wanted no part of RG3, who won Rookie of the Year, galvanized the Redskins organization, got that fan base excited. Twice they pass up on Johnny Manziel. They stick with Sam Bradford, who I think might be the least inspiring quarterback in the NFL, has an, an 18-30-1 and one record in four years as a starter, has not gotten one bit better, and looks to me like he's regressed. They pick up Aaron Donald. They have Michael Brockers, who they drafted in the top ten. They have Kendall Langford, 
who is a really good defensive He's tackle. All right. He's all they right. sign Alex Carrington as a free agent. They have three defensive tackles right there. I like. They buildings. don't need Aaron Donald. I like building. They need a quarterback. I like building <laughs> strength on strength. Who's going to stop that team now? Well, if, since you don't have any quarterback, you can just put like 22 defensive players on the field. I'm sure for those 7.4 snaps a game that Aaron Donald plays, he'll be he'll make a great impact. <laughs> <laughs> what are wow. you doing, Rams? Come on. Jeez. Well, that was weird over there. <laughs> I didn't really care about that. I don't want to watch Sam Bradford play for the Rams again. I just, in, in that ugly dome, watching that guy overthrow his receivers, time of, ah, oh, come on. I love it. Wesleyan right now, A, he's speaking my language. This is just a sea poem about the Rams, I, and I agree with every word of it. <laughs> and, and how about the Rams? If nothing else, they win the award for the most off-the-record lies of any team. I mean, what team <laughs> pretends that they're more media-friendly and is ultimately snowballing all their buddies in the media more than the Rams? Because all this Manziel stuff and the whispers, oh, yeah, they really liked it. It was, it was like a month-long campaign to the point just about everyone was on board that this was legitimate. And not only did they pass them up at two – but they pass him up at 13, and then we get the reasoning, wow, they just didn't think Aaron Donald would be there. Like, you can't pass that up. We're going to, like, oh, we like Johnny Manziel as our franchise quarterback, but since we didn't see Aaron Donald fall into the 13th pick, guess we can't take him. How many defensive and, linemen do you need? <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, a message to Mr. High Cheekbones and flowing Sandy Hair, the general manager of that team, Les Sneed, uh, you better have gotten this right, man, because I don't think he gets any chances if they if they stay in neutral here after passing up all this like amazing talent at the top of this draft and going down a a path that West seems to be of one to ruin. If 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 he's wrong, he's not going to get another draft to to and not only will well, he not crazy. get another draft to do this, and he'll be elsewhere or on the street. The Rams will have botched one of the great golden opportunities of any NFL team has had in the last decade uh, from that, that bounty they got for RG3. They got, this better work out. That's, not that, used that's, it, that's more half-baked than my, me giving the Rams some love. I mean, they were coming off the worst, literally the worst five-year run in NFL history, and they've won 14 games the last two years. Les Snead's going to be there for a long time. It doesn't really matter what they do this year. There's no oh, it way. matters. I mean, it matters. Greg, I, if they, I think, silly. Greg, your pick has not been widely popular with this group. But no, whenever, I, I don't even like it. I don't even buy it. I totally back off it. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, not even I, kidding. I made it up. I'm running away from back it. For you. There have been 22 men in NFL draft history that have been drafted with a combination of two first names in their name, Aaron mm. Donald being one of them. None of them have lasted more than a, than three years. <laughs> making things up. <laughs> Just making well, things up. Nolan right. Ryan had a pretty good career in, in Major League Baseball. Well, since well, that's we... a sport that does not move the needle on this podcast. <laughs> Mark hey, has officially put me to sleep. I just put a hex on the Rams. They are doomed to I... go 7-9 and nine every single year for the rest of eternity. <laughs> I think they would it's sign the up for that. Seahawks. <laughs> They would sign up for yeah. Yeah, now we're at the portion of the program where Mark is only speaking in lies. I think it's time <laughs> to go over the go get my lunch <laughs> tote board scoreboard. Keep that implied. All right, uh, it's an embarrassment, and I just want to thank uh, our Twitter follower uh, who keeps sending us 
all the updates. Actually, there's multiple. Tristan keeps sending us updates. And then also we have a Twitter account that is now keeping track of our scoreboard as it's going. So if you guys are listening to this podcast and you want to follow along. There is a Twitter handle called Go Get My Lunch. Exactly. It's beautiful. And uh, it was, we don't know who runs it. it no, yeah. We d- and not only that, he signed up for a Gmail account. To email me the standing so I would have him for the podcast nice. in a Microsoft Word form. So I, I'm excited. Except- I love our listeners, by the way. They are fantastic. Awesome. You Great got- humans across the board. I don't even need to do any more background checking. They listen <laughs> to the show and they interact with us on social media, and that's good enough for me. It really is in- incredible how many people were following along, and, and we loved that you guys were really into when Johnny Manziel was on the clock. Could Kansas do the unbelievable and pick up seven sandwiches at, at one moment. It really did raise a, a lot of attention in the room. I was more excited. What did you say on Twitter or, or on over instant message, Dan? I have no idea. That was like 17 hours ago. It's <laughs> two in the morning here, Greg. I think you said that it was the most exciting moment you've ever had in your life by far. <laughs> I, it wasn't along those lines. That sounds right, and I will tell you that, um, yeah, I mean, it really it was something that it almost happened. I'm okay with how it played out, and, and my good buddy Mark got the player anyway. So, you know what, even though I didn't win my seven sandwiches, I'm okay with how it played out. Wait, under the radar here, NFL draft guru Mike Mayock now taking tips from Dan Hansis for his mock draft. <laughs> That's a victory. That's, he, Dan, or perhaps he shouldn't because it didn't work out in this case. One Twitter follower told me that exciting night of draft, the best part for him that he's ever had in a draft, even though Dan's prediction didn't come true, was how much tension there was leading up to the Cowboys pick purely mm. because of Dan's prediction. And don't, and don't forget about this. <laughs> Just, you know, and I didn't get it right, so that I cannot gloat, but... You know, I was laughed out of the room when I even suggested that Manziel would be on the board at 16. Uh, well, Mark is pointing at himself and shaking his head. Mark, all right, maybe you weren't, but some of the other gentlemen, some of the other heroes, you didn't think it could even be plausible well, I still that Manziel don't. would be an option. I still don't. I don't think he was, was an exciting. option. I don't think he was an option. <laughs> no credit. You guys thought he would be, like, the number one pick in the NFL, it seemed like, when we were discussing this. I like how and, we've turned this into you being right. Somehow. No, the glory the glory of this whole sandwich conversation needs to go to Wessling, who it doesn't have to pay for a meal for roughly the next seven years. Yeah, that's right. Chris Wessling uh somehow made out with six sandwiches on Thursday night. Although this is to be continued. We still have a couple sandwich propositions that are hanging for the next couple days. So it really doesn't matter what you are after day one. It's what you are after three days. But you're feeling pretty good. I can't hear you under the sound of this sandwich avalanche. (laughs) It's That was awful. That was just terrible. How long were you practicing that line? (laughs) Hours. I picture you like in in one of the bathrooms at the office just saying it over and over again in the mirror. I picture me like Scrooge McDuck diving through piles of money, except there's sandwiches. I'm, I'm glad. Wesley, don't I hope you don't eat them after you dive the fact into that Greg's daughter will not eat, <laughs> nor will my son's or Dan's child, which is yet to be born. Well, my unborn child is will not eat <laughs> while you just you know continually shovel $14 sandwiches in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Contraptions, even. 
I'm glad it was Wesley, though, because Dan would have been number one in my power rankings for most insufferable if he led the I scoreboard. You're insufferable now, worst. and you did poorly. I would have been the absolute worst. I would have even hated myself. So it really works out ultimately because I didn't, I, you know, and I couldn't. I would not have been able to handle that level of success. And the, the person that I would most want to do well in this competition. Did did quite well, and that's Mark Sessler, who is up three sandwiches right now, and that's good news for the rest of us because a Mark doesn't like sandwiches, uh, b he doesn't like food or meat. So this, I don't know what's really going to be a part of this. We'll just give you like a some fries or Olives. A, a slice of bread. What are you going to have, Mark? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to order multiple boxes of white rice from like a local Chinese house. <laughs> High octane wonton soup. That's pretty much what Mark eats, and and you know it was a key, Sounds and it, awful. and it just makes it all the more sweet because it's not like uh, Mark picked any uh, good propositions. He had Ted, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater not getting drafted in the first round was wrong on that. West was smart to take that sandwich. Uh, he had Bortles to the Vikings and the Browns drafting Derek Carr, where he lost three sandwiches. But the key was that he picked Johnny Manziel. He hedged his bets with these two things. Go into the Browns. So not only did, did, did it make your world, but you get some sandwiches for it, too. Well, and I've been a fan of John Schneider and Pete Carroll, but they are off my list after Uh-oh. allowing the Vikings to sneak back into the first round. One, one, one of the greatest things in the newsroom was that last pick when it yeah. got traded. Greg's, Greg just went from elated to, like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, I had, lost a lot of sandwiches yes, on that I one. had sandwiches <laughs> riding on that that only two – quarterbacks would get taken in the first round and we got to pick 32 and the Seahawks were on the clock and then we hear that the Vikings traded up and it was all over and this is how Wes cleaned up he he got sandwiches for me and Mark on this one so that really hurt I am down four sandwiches I am in last place Dan is down three sandwiches bad job by him and the gold standard who stupidly dipped his toe into the big kid pool. Wow. <laughs> Lost his only two sandwiches possible. Hello, Gold Standard. How's it going? Sorry, uh, I think it's because my back is to you. I haven't interacted That's all like right. a good host no, like Dan would have. I, I didn't want to dip well, my toes into the big kid pool. Appreciate it. So Side this- note on Gold Standard, by the way, I had two uh, young women that seemed to be under the age of 25 that came up to our area of the room and asked about him specifically. Mm, That's nice. a dirty lie. Your track record of lying is off <laughs> the charts. I, I thought that lying season was over now. <laughs> All right. That just about wraps up. Do we have any other oh, thank God. final thoughts we want to throw out there? Any picks that caught you that you didn't like or just moments? Or should we just let poor Mark and Dan get to bed? We should talk about one last thing. We haven't said a word about the first pick in the entire draft. Who? Jadevian Clowney. Jadevian Clowney. Jadevian. Oh, Jadevian. Let's Jadevian. go with his real name from now on. Sure. I like if it. If you say so. Yeah, do it. Texans pass up a quarterback, but they get Clowney to pair with J.J. Watt. That's going to be knocking around some some pretty bad AFC South quarterbacks. I like it. And, beca- and they have the first pick in the draft tomorrow. David Carr sitting there, somebody like that. They could take the quarterback similar to kind of how the Chargers reformed their their franchise in 2001 with Drew Brees taking the second round after getting LT in the first. Ooh. Yeah, and that that always works out well, taking a car in Houston. Way Do to we go. all agree well, that Carr oh, is a different guy. Bill O'Brien-type quarterback in the best 
remaining guy. He's also the second best car in his family, the first one being the biggest quarterback bust in franchise history. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's I don't it would be that would be so delicious if they took Derek Carr. But it sounds like there's a good chance they will trade for Ryan Mallett and that would presumably stop them from taking a quarterback that high. Maybe they would still take one in the third or the fourth round, but if they traded for Mallet and supposedly it was going to be for a third round pick maybe next year, I would guess. That would be awesome if they have four backup quarterbacks on their roster. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I don't don't try to sigh so loudly that we let you off the hook. This yeah, thing... Dan, I'm watching this in, in live living color, and Dan is not in good shape right now. <laughs> it's Operation Shutdown, fellas. Derek Bell, thanks. It's two, you know it's two in the morning. The only difference right now is that you would be at the bar drinking at two in the morning instead. Well, I guess you do have a point there. But I do <laughs> believe that Mark and I have pulled the early shift on around the league tomorrow, so we're going to be upwriting high octane content. And I just want to get my shut eye ahead of that pendulant moment in my life. I I am looking forward to everything you do, and thank you guys for staying up late with us. And congratulations to Mark. Uh, we're going to do winners and losers on the site after Friday and Saturday's rounds, but let's just be honest. Mark Sessler is the big winner of the Huge 2014 win. draft. To borrow a George Bush line, way to go, Brownie. Who's <laughs> the big winner? Marky. Marky wins. <laughs> on that note, for the gold standard and Chris Wesseling, Kevin Patra, I'm not doing the nicknames, Dan Handis, Mark Uh, Sessler, I'm Greg (laughs) Rosenthal. We will be back on Saturday night to wrap up the entire draft. So check in with us then. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, draft day, Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day, A. Wiggins. That other side, you stay winning. Oh, man, you know I had to do it for you. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Listen up, I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Hm. Instacart for the win.